This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting- Mike on Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Heward, not exactly Joe Cap there in the pocket. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Yeah, Brock, it's not every day that we put a little emoji onto the show sheet, but I thought Mm -hmm. today we needed one. Mm -hmm. It's a little sad emoji. People don't like my column. People are very upset with me today. Oh, no. I know. Isn't that sad when that happens? Oh, really? Really? Some of the comments, my gosh, people are are very quick to judge. I thought you were, like, pretty well-versed in this. Why is this one hitting so hard? I don't know. You know, every (laughs) once in a while, as I've mentioned, I don't always read a room all that well. Mm -hmm. You put something out there, and then you're like, oh, wow, that was a grenade apparently i didn't think thought it was just a ball turns out to be a live grenade sorry about that so here's the deal uh i was thinking yesterday as we were kind of talking through this brock about how you try to change and reconfigure the seahawks roster construction mm-hmm. i don't love the way their rosters constructed i said it all last year i've been saying it throughout this offseason like i just don't like where their resources are I think their best players, their most significant resources, and you could come up with some, some, you know, some uh, exceptions to this. But for the most part, this team is heavily invested on the outside, at corner, at receiver, at running back, even with a couple of second round picks. They've spent a lot of resources, whether it's money or draft capital, on guys who play really far away from the line of scrimmage. Well, safety number one. I mean, and that far outpacing everybody else in the league. Julian safety, Love. Safety. Three safeties. Quandre. Jamal. Yeah. They've invested heavily in three safeties. The After Geno, the next two most expensive players on their offense are Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. They drafted two second-round running backs. They've spent a lot of capital mm-hmm. on positions that, to me, aren't as important. And so if I, if I look at the Seahawks and say, all right, if they want to make a change— If they want to try to build this roster differently, how do you go about doing that with the number 16 pick in the draft, no second round pick, and then a couple of third rounders? And oh, by the way, you have this looming question of, do you want to try to get a quarterback? And Brock, you mentioning yesterday that the the next year's draft is not going to be all that special. Mm -hmm. So you could be looking at a couple more seasons. Yeah, quarterback. At some point, especially in a draft that might have six first rounders akin to the 1983 quarterback draft. These are real conversations, but if you draft a quarterback at 16, there goes your opportunity to really improve offensive line, defensive line, edge, Mm-hmm. linebacker. I mean, like all of these things that seem really crucial yep. to Mike McDonald's system. And so when you start thinking through and say, all right, how are you going to find a way to get better? How are you going to find a way to change? You, you don't do it by just giving up nothing. Mm-hmm. This is an argument that is somewhat akin to the trade Felix argument. Yep. But if you really do want to try to make a change in who you are, DK Metcalf is probably the asset you have that would bring back the most and allow you to change your lineup or your roster construction. Yeah. This is not a, yeah, everybody I don't sees like DK the, Yeah, everybody sees the column and, and, and the initial reactions. Like, oh, here's Salk again. Here's right. hot taker Salk. He's so negative. He hates DK Metcalf. Get rid of DK Metcalf. DK's too selfish. He's too individual, yada, yada, yada. And really what you're saying is he's your, golly, when you look at it, he... How many other valuable trade chips do you have? Essentially none. I mean, a a, a Woolen would be a valuable guy. 
but he's really, really young and you get him and you want him to bounce back anyway. And mm -hmm. he's much more valuable to you than he would be anybody else. I mean, you start to look at it. Yeah. And it is probably DK. I mean, uh, a Charles Cross would be another again. But just I'm not a looking young... to trade guys on the line Correct. of scrimmage. So, no. yeah, you know, when I see the, the replies and the quote tweets and everything else that say things like, why are we talking about trading DK? He's the best player on the offense at the moment. I know. I know that. I totally understand. You think teams are lining up to get the seventh best player on your offense? Mm -mm. This isn't trading DK for a fifth round pick. It's not addition by subtraction. This is, if you want another first round pick and more than that, this is how you go out and get it. AJ Brown went for a first and a third. DK in theory should have a little bit more value because you've already paid him. So you're already eating the signing bonus mm -hmm. and the team that tr trades for him doesn't need to. Mm -hmm. So, is DK worth two first rounders? Is he worth what Jamal Adams was worth? Is he worth a first and a second? Is he worth, you know, there's a lot of conversations in there. If you got back a first and a second and now, and a good first, let's say you ended up with a 10 or 12 pick in addition to your number 16 pick and mm -hmm. got back a second rounder and two third rounders, mm -hmm. you can start to turn this team into something that resembles what Mike McDonald says he wants. Yes. So you guys read the column. It's at seattlesports.com. If, if you still disagree with me, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. I don't mind. You can disagree with me on this all you want. I'll defend my point of view on it because to me, it's an idea. It's a suggestion. It's one way to change a, a roster that I think is constructed backwards. Mm. It's not the only way. There's plenty of other ways to do it. But I want to be clear. This is not an I hate DK Metcalf column. This is not a I don't think DK is good. This is sometimes you got to give up value to try mm. to make a change. And oh, by the way, there are there is a separate column to be written about whether or not DK is the right player to be spending that much money guaranteed on. Mm -hmm. Whether he is based on some of the stuff that happened in the locker room and on the field last year, that guy. But yep. this column is not about any of that. Yep. This is simply about value, roster construction, and trying to look for a new way of building this thing. And I, I, I will admit, last thing here, Brock, and then I'll let yeah. you kind of jump in. I'm sorry for kind of hogging this, but yeah. I wanted to, wanted to explain myself. Part of the column is about the Chiefs. And part of it is about the team that just won the Super Bowl by by essentially, and we talked about this yesterday, investing in their quarterback and a tight end and their defense and ignoring essentially the wide receiver and running back position, especially in terms of money, resources. I think that's a pretty interesting way to look at a roster. Yes, I understand the major difference here being that they have a generational quarterback and the Seahawks currently have Geno Smith. But if you want to try to find mm -hmm. a quarterback that is an upgrade on Geno Smith and still try to keep those other positions of need, line of scrimmage, linebacker, et cetera, yeah. if you still want to acquire both at the same time, this might be your only chance to do that. Yeah, and just the reality of the football player. We talked about this over the course of the season. I was just looking at, at the year-end stats here. You know, the, the guys at the very top, the elite receivers, the C.D. Lambs, the Tyreek Hills, the Amon Ross St. Brown has put himself in that class from a yardage and reception and production standpoint, Salk. You know what? They get completed to 70, 75, 73% of the time. Mm -hmm. Those targets are hit over 70% of the time. DK this year was fifty five percent. I mean that that was that was less than Amari Cooper who had five different quarterbacks in Cleveland. 
Now, some of that was Gino at times rushing and maybe not as accurate as he was the year before. Some of that is, you know, contested balls that he's not winning. There are things that DK does at a level that nobody else in the league can do. Pete has talked about this when it comes to like power routes, when he's able to get going, when he's not pressed and he runs mm-hmm. a, a skinny post or he runs, you call that a bang eight or he a glance route or, or he runs a slant and, and, or he runs a go route. And man, he just, you feel that just horsepower and strength that he has. But as a nimble little route runner, a little option route guy, uh, an in and out of break with suddenness. And, you know, he's just, that that is not going to be the strength of, of his game. And you know, what you want to build then becomes next question. You know, when you bring Ryan Grubb in the room and say, hey, Ryan, <laughs> you know, what What do you want? I think Ryan Grubb's going to say, I want a Roma Dunze. I actually want DK. You know, I'm, ne- I'm never going to have a 55% hit rate. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, this should be a 75, 70 and above. So we're going to find a way to, to you know, craft all these one-on-ones. Or, you know what, Grubb's going to watch that one-on-one tape and go, man, you know, I think I think there's other opportunities here, boy, boys. And if you can get two ones, you get two ones. You do this in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Period and I don't know whether you can. I mean, that I is, don't think that's you, a, can. you probably cannot. And especially Could you the get a first challenge. And a second? Well, the other challenge third? is the market for receiver this yeah. year. Yep. This is a loaded receiver draft. But that is also part of my thinking is if you can find somebody that falls in love with the talent, falls in love with the size, falls in mm-hmm. love with that and thinks it's how they get themselves over the top. You can always kind of replenish your your wide receiver stock because there's a lot of really good wide receivers coming out of college every year. Yep. There aren't there is not enough great quarterbacks. There are not enough great offensive linemen or defensive linemen. Yep. I, like I don't know. Yeah. Yep. You guys can get upset. I totally understand. Are I they pro- upset? Are people upset? They are. Oh, <laughs> yes. You should read yes. through some of the replies, some of the okay. quote tweets. Right. I've been ratioed for God's sakes, Brock. It's brutal. <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm getting ratioed here. All I want to do uh, is like go on, like write about what I think, and here I am getting ratioed. Use emojis. Yeah. Well, now I got to use emojis on the show sheet. Wow. Look at what's happened to Fall me. Apart. It's a, what, a, what a disaster. It's shambles. Look, uh, this is a ratioed salt. Let me just tell you this. I'll just yes. say this. This isn't clickbait. This isn't a hot take. This isn't an I hate DK column. It's just an an exercise in trying to figure out how a team built that is itself. built backwards can build itself forwards again. Yeah, That's all. It's one option of a, a, a possible path forward. That's it. I do it. <laughs> also, I do it because I think they're built wrong. And if you want to try to build yourself right, this is one of well, the things that's sort of standing in your way. Here, but is there an order of operations that also factors into this for you? Like, PEMDAS. Yes. That's what yeah, I was start gonna, with I was gonna uh, say that PEMDAS. But yes. is, is, is this at the beginning of your order of operations to do for this team? No, because, because obviously you got some decisions to make first. got to make okay. a decision on Gino. And they got another decision they may have to make as well this week that I haven't thought about until Brady Henderson texted us about it yesterday. That's coming up. We'll give you everything you need to know. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710clsports.com. Yes, that's where you can read said column so that you can actually be mad instead of pretending to be mad. That's uh, at seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Brock, it was nice to meet Mike McDonald yesterday and kind of get a sense of who he was. We'll go through some of our observations there coming up here in about 15 minutes. But overall, comfortable, confident, authentic. 
I came away believing the right guy to transition into this next era of Seahawks football. He commands a room. He clearly has a lot in common with John Schneider. And he did explain that he wants to build a football team that's still going to play some physical ball. I want to build the offense through the same lens of how we're building, of how we built the defense and we're going to build it here. So we have to be really, really good at the core philosophies, core fundamentals, core concepts. And then we want to be able to apply those things you know, on a game-to-game basis based on who we're playing. So we don't want to reinvent our offense every week. So we have to have a core identity. So what is that? Well, we're going to be a physical unit. Like, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna run the football, you know, and we want to have answers for the quarterback, and we want to keep it consistent for him, you know, so he can play fast and play decisive and, uh, and get the ball to our playmaker. And all of those things. All of them. All of them start with the position group that occupies half of your offense. And that's the offensive line that just, you know, has not been by any metric good enough over the years. Mm-hmm. It just It just hasn't. I thought it started off really well last year, saw some injuries, and just kind of got banged up. I thought that some of the guys got really heavy and just could not move athletically. And looking at you, Mr. Bradford, who's a big, powerful guy, but it just was not consistent. The grades by Pro Football Focus year in and year out, Salk, are simply not good enough. So make sure you hire an offensive coordinator that's got that in his background, and that's exactly what they did with Ryan Grubb. Mm, yeah, well, we'll see. He um, explained some of his philosophies, explained what it means to chase edges. We'll run through some more of that. But overall, I got the sense that he's using some different verbiage to ex- kind of explain the same philosophy as Pete had. Look for a way to be a little bit better at every little thing you do. Be competitive and try to try to win all of those individual battles. It'll all add up to one big one. Now it's up to him to execute. By the way, 123 million people viewed the Super Bowl on Sunday. That was an NFL record and the largest TV viewing audience for anything Brock since the moon landing. So both the Super Bowl and the moon landing, two things that were scripted and fixed. Here's the second thing you need to know. You can't just say things like that. Why not? When will you learn? Why can't I say that? I see it all over the internet. People believe that it was fixed, don't they? Luke Wilson, sure. Well, not the moon landing. I just meant the Super Bowl part. Uh, Pitchers and catchers will report tomorrow, Brock, in Peoria. You know, we spend so much time talking about their need to find more offense strength of this team is all reporting tomorrow the pitchers and yes the catchers specifically cal raleigh but the pitching luis castillo george kirby logan gilbert bryce miller and then brian Wu. it's a really really good rotation seven more shows before we're down there here in the spikes yeah concrete here in the pop in the batter's glove here in the birds chirping watching the sun come over the cell phone tower there in peoria like Mm. seven more shows and we are there can't wait. Can't wait. Going to be awesome. By the way, uh, we'll get to meet some of the other pitchers that are lesser known and try to, try to get a sense as to who we're going to win one of these last couple of jobs in the bullpen. Some names to start thinking about. Ty Adcock, you got to see him last year. Carlos Vargas is one of the new guys. I believe he came over in the Arizona deal, throws 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Jackson Coar is another really hard thrower, was with Kansas City, then Atlanta. He came over in the Kelnick deal. Those are probably three of the best options, but there's a whole bunch more. So it'll be an interesting battle to see what this bullpen looks like when it's all said and done. By the way, no chance at Jorge Soler. He goes to San Francisco yesterday on a three-year deal. Never really in play here once the Mariners sign Mitch Garver. But 
that was a potential destination for Matt Chapman. So we'll go through that a little bit more detail at nine o'clock. Fourteen million a year. Yeah, those Chapman destinations are ticking away, though, Brock. Not a lot left out there. And are you saying fourteen is a lot or a little? No, I'm not saying that. A little, right? Yes. Yeah, very interesting. All right, we'll keep following that one. Here's the third thing you need to know. And the Kraken, they play again tonight. They're going to need to bounce back really quickly because they looked awful last night in New Jersey. Really, really rough game. Lost 3-1. to one. Could have been a whole lot worse. Joey Decord was honestly a savior. Defense didn't look great. Offense didn't look great. Turned the puck over a ton. Beneers struggled. Riker Evans was beat for a goal. It wasn't a good night. Having a hard time against good teams, and they're going to face a lot of good teams. Going to beat up on some bad teams. Got, got a hot streak in, in, in the stretch of this year, but yeah, you have uh, lamented this for, I don't know, a couple years, even the free agents of last season, different trade deadlines. Like you're built on depth. You're not built on star power. Mm-hmm. And when you play other teams that have more stars than you, it sure strikes me that, uh, I don't know, the NBA and the NHL are in some sort of gr- agreement there. Like your star power matters. Your difference makers matter. And unfortunately, you don't have enough of them when you match up with a lot of these quality teams. All right. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every Veneers hour. on the first line. Is he your first he line? He has been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I mean, generally, since they got Tatar, it's been Beneers, Tatar, and mm-hmm. depending on who they want on the other side, McCann mm-hmm. or, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. That young buck's got to get better, man. He's got to, you know, be a difference maker. Everly. He was kind of heralded as that kind of guy, and, and maybe not the star of stars, but yeah, the the, the lack He's of number production. two overall pick. Yeah, look at the and look at the numbers. Look at the production. I mean, it's just not. You don't even need to look at the production. You just watch the games. Yeah. He he has not been the same player. He is not scoring with any sort of consistency at all. Mm-mm. The defense hasn't been the same. But to me, it's the turnovers. He just looks unsteady, unsure, shaken confidence. Maybe I don't know. But he has not looked like the same player that he did for most of last year, and certainly not when he first came up a couple of years ago. All right, we had an awesome conversation yesterday with Mike McDonald. What did we learn from him? What can we infer from some? Some of the things he said, there's a lot in there, including one name he mentioned, Brock, that has people buzzing and making big assumptions about a decision that needs to be made later this week. That's next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. 20 minutes from now, more Dooley will sing. To pay off her bet with Brock, 20 minutes from now, set an alert, set a reminder, 20 minutes from now, Maura will be singing to pay off her bet with Brock. Is that why her voice is a little shot? She's been practicing? She said she went big on this one, so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, kind of looking forward to that. A songbird of our generation trying to trying to <laughs> downplay. Just, it's Miley Cyrus and then Mora is how I've always listed them. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought of her more Stevie Nicks. We're not going to look at you differently. After I like this. that none of us are letting Maury even talk about it. Maury's <laughs> no. tried to like defend this five times. We're like, yeah, no, no, actually, no. We're looking forward to that. 20 minutes from now, Maura will sing. Between now and then, uh, yesterday. <laughs> Maury's shaking her head. So funny. Yesterday, um, we had an opportunity to meet Mike McDonald. And there were a lot of takeaways from it. I don't want to do like a full takeaways style thing. Mm-hmm. But you probably could. I, I had five or six things that jumped out to me. Brock, I know you had another four or five in addition to that. So we kind of run through these back and forth. But the first one for me is he's just a smart dude. You, you, you can really feel that he is a smart 
dude. Sigma cum laude kind of comes to life, right? And that's mm-hmm. what he was in finance at Georgia. Didn't like accounting, made that very clear. And I think there's <laughs> many that would probably join him in that fold. Yeah. But uh, knows his numbers, knows his academics, knows I think the importance of being sharp, man, being disciplined with yeah, those let things. Me, uh, let me play you this on. You asked him about sort of his finance background, his business school background. Here's what he said. I, I think the finance thing is more of a problem-solving type <laughs> type mentality. You know, I think that's really what finance is, right? It's just putting numbers behind it. Um, definitely not accounting. No offense to those folks, but it's just I, that, I hated that class, man. That was tough, you know? <laughs> that was my – that was uh, – that was tough, but I, through, through finance, it was more like how do you how do you figure out how to get stuff done, but through numbers, mm-hmm. and so that that was more of my mentality. And then management, I I prefer the term leadership, you know, in terms of bringing people together. Um, so you know, it's been a long time since I was in those finance classes. Yeah. How do you how do you solve problems with numbers? What a yep. ph- what a phenomenal view into the way his brain works. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, n- I not really heard people define finances that way, but as he kind of said, I was like, oh, yeah, that does kind of make some sense. Mm-hmm. You know, as you put your performance together, as you look at your re- return of investments, as you try to figure out what's the best way to, you know, to put these and allocate these funds and these numbers in different places. And football is much the same degree. You know, how do we how do we allocate funds, whether through our roster construction that you talked about, you know, whether through your scheme, uh, both offensively and defensively to, to well, find those number advantages or just sort of that idea of viewing things as problems to be solved. How do I take this offensive scheme that is coming at me from yep. L.A., San Francisco, wherever and try to solve it. Uh, clearly, his mind is built to solve puzzles. Yeah. And I loved, you know, his kind of comment of like, I can't wait to watch the Spagnola tape. Right. Can't, can't wait to see. How do you get Chris Jones free? How does Chris Jones come unblocked on the most critical play of the game where actually the chief corner fell down? You got Iuk standing wide open in the end zone. You got the uh, Juan Johnson open by six mm-hmm. yards on a little snap route. But you know what? Brock Purdy can't get to either of them because, you know, that scheme of putting that linebacker in the gap and showing an edge pressure just blew the wires at the right side of that line. And here comes Chris Jones in the lap of Brock Purdy at the game's biggest moment, finding that numbers advantage, that schematic advantage. I think we'll uh, be talking an awful lot about that uh, with Mike McDonald over the course of next football season. I think for me, Salk, in, in the text toy, you're all over that thing. I don't really like looking at it a whole lot. But the text toy was reacting during that conversation of, man, there's kind of a lot of John Schneider to this guy. Mm-hmm. But, and I, you just got to see. You felt it at the press conference when the two were sitting together. You felt it that much more when he was individual. And it was like, yeah, yeah, now I see why John <laughs> – John would gravitate to this guy. Now you see, man, you go through this whole process and you interview all these different people. And Mike was the very last one, which I think was an advantage for him because I think they had an affinity for so many of the stuff that they were reading and seeing. Now let me go meet him. And you sit down with him and you're like, yep, yeah, this fits. I can see these two in this partnership work together. You know, just tone, just delivery, just humility, just whatever that mix is. You know, kind of like a uh, one of these brisket rubs I got, or you know, I, I look online at these different. You know, how do I make it? A, must be just like one of these brisket rubs. Yes, yeah, it's got sense. all these ingredients. Salt. Yeah. It's got now all these critical. It. Yeah, yes. no, like a brisket rub. It's yes. a, I get it. Of course, yes, thank Brock. You. I think we would all go in that direction. I appreciate that. Salt and pepper. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not just salt and pepper. Now you got to add a little paprika, some like oh. a little brown sugar. Right. But whatever the ingredients were, you throw Rogue them in salt. and you and you look at it and you're like, yeah, yep, that actually tastes pretty good. Mm. Yep, and that actually fits. That works, and that's going to make this thing enhanced and better. Yeah, he talked and, about tag teaming with John. I, you know, I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, um, that's something that John and I were working through. 
and uh, I know there's some decisions that we got to make here, you know, pretty soon. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, it's something. I'm not going in with the mentality of, hey, let's flip this whole thing over. We're not. I, I don't think that's the mentality. It's more of an open mind. What's best for the team? Obviously, John's handling it on the personnel side, but uh, we'll we'll be uh, tag team through that whole process. It's about 80 hours a week for the next seven weeks. Like it is, it is on the accelerator, right? It, it is go time. <laughs> it's this week with some of your own personnel decisions. It is then into the into the combine and, mm-hmm. and all the prep that goes into that, and all the interviews and all the work that goes into that. Oh, and even before the combine, it is the free agents on your own team, on the other teams. I mean, truly, it's seventy to eighty hours a week. That's why his wife's in Baltimore yeah. and he's here, and and just going to be really grinding until you get through the draft, and then even then. As you get on the football field and you actually see all those pieces put together, man, there is a lot of manpower, man hours. You uh, you bring up uh, his wife, and it was nice to get to hear a little bit about his background and who he is. You know, I was thinking about it. Pete Carroll, when he showed up here, had been a household name for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? He'd written books. We knew, we knew everything there was to know. We thought about Pete. At the very least, we kind of knew his story. This guy's Wikipedia page is essentially empty. You don't know much about him other than born in Massachusetts, raised in Georgia, and then became a coach. So it was nice to hear a little bit about his upbringing, a little bit about his family, and it was not a surprise based on how disciplined he seems and the command of a room that he seems to have to find this out about his father. Yeah, so my dad's a West Point grad, and uh, so, you know, he bounced around a little bit. He was in Germany after uh, graduating, but all of our family was from the Northeast. Mm. He ended up taking a job with AT&T, and <laughs> we moved to Georgia, so we got moved down there, but I had a great childhood. I mean... Played a bunch of sports down there in Atlanta. I was better at baseball than I was at football. I tell people I retired, you know, in, in high school playing football because I wasn't any good. You called him a catcher too. He do, he is sort of built a little so bit you, like a catcher. So, oh, so a catcher. Like you gotta always be careful about. Why? That. I just say, hey, you know, what, what do you play in baseball? No, more fun to guess. <laughs> more fun to try to guess. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. He kind of has a catcher's mentality, catcher's yeah. build, and it like yeah. football player, baseball player. Like I don't know, didn't see. And he, Brock, he's pretty built. Yes, yeah, you you're going to have to work out with this guy. Brock, you didn't call him mm. Little Mikey D or something. No, right, I did exactly. Not. Like you would have, <laughs> Little no. Mike McDonald, yeah, Little Mikey Mac. Uh, <laughs> right. I felt like it was a compliment, if anything. <laughs> uh, and I love that uh, you know and this story has been told. But that you go and coach high school football while you're in college, mm. while you're a finance guy, Sigma Cum Laude, and I'm going to go and my again just the discipline that that takes and requires for yeah. you to do that, kind of brings some of that household we're, up. We're going to have to go quickly here to try to get through some. Oh, are, ideas, oh, jeez, I know. Time, yeah, things time, time flies. And Moore's got to sing. What did he repeat? I don't have to. <laughs> don't make me sing. <laughs> don't make me sing. You know what, that I love when coaches repeat themselves. Repeat? A couple uh, different times patience? he repeated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he repeated a few different times how, jeez, how, I've had to be patient with this whole process, right? And you can attest to some of this in management, right? Like, can we just move this along? Like, do we really have to do this? Do we really have to? Yeah, you actually do. You have to go through all these processes. It's important to us, right? Because we're not going to just rush through this decision. I, okay, I really like this guy. Go hire him. No, it doesn't really yeah, work that way. We're going to do 12 <laughs> other things first. Sorry. Yes, we are. Yeah. And we're going to turn over every stone and, and we're going to interview other people. But this is my guy I want. Like, I'm a coach, right? Like, I got it. I see it. I want it. And I think just having to learn some of that patience through this process. Mm-hmm. He didn't say it once or twice, three or four different times, right? And hiring a staff, assembling everything around him. I'm sure getting the free agent board ready. All the processes that John has. You're not going new into this. 
You're not, you know, he, and he should be, and I know he's thankful and why this was appealing to him. I don't have a first-time GM next to me. I don't have an unsettled front office. Right. All of those things are in place. These processes are in place. Now, let me just go sit in this co-pilot seat and learn a whole bunch along the way. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, well said. Let me get to another thing he repeated, Brock, not with us, but it's something he said once with us. And apparently he said it either with Bump and Stacey or at the press conference because people certainly notice the order. You mentioned order of operations earlier, mm-hmm. but the order with which he named his two quarterbacks. I'm not going to focus on the order, but I do think it's intriguing the what he said here. So we asked him about meeting the players and who he's talked to so far. Yeah, so we're working our way through the guys slowly but surely, but right now the quarterbacks, you know, Drew and Gina have been the main guys we've talked to, and then we're working our way through now. But I just, my message to the guys has just been, hey, look, be patient. We're trying to spend a lot of time. You know, I'm on a lot of Zooms right now, a lot of phone calls with coaches and stuff, so... Um, but we're setting some time, some some time out each day to to talk to all the guys. So a lot of people are saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe he mentioned Drew before Gino because he did mm. that twice." I don't know whether I read too much significance into that or not. But the fact that he mentioned Drew Locke at all, I think, is definitely interesting considering Drew Locke is a free agent. Is he? Isn't he? Is he? Or did he sign a two-year deal? I thought he was a free agent. Was he? Justin Moore, can you check that out? Yeah, Am I crazy? Huh? I thought it was a one-year deal. Yeah, just just confirm that because as you say that, I think you're right, but I just want to totally confirm that. He There's is part an of, unrestricted free agent. He right is now. an unrestricted, so he has just signed a one-year so deal. So don't you think yeah. it's interesting that he even mentions him at all? Yeah, yeah. No, it is alphabetical, right? He is a military kid. Yes. So it is, you know, Drew and Gino. It is Locke and Smith. So, you know, I think as he, as he goes through, you know, it may just be a, an alphabetical thing. But, yeah, as an unrestricted free agent – Sure. I, I mean, if you're Drew Locke, you love the fact that he mentioned your name, that yes. he knew who you were. So, Well, and we've talked about with Brady how mm-hmm. Drew was sort of a John Schneider guy, and probably yes. while, while Pete was much more in Gino's corner. Yep. I don't know what any of that means. Maybe it means nothing, but he certainly acknowledged that he has decisions to make. Yep. And if you have decisions to make and you're mentioning Drew Locke, who's an unrestricted free agent as being mm-hmm. one of your quarterbacks, mm-hmm. seems somewhat telling to me. Yeah, I think so. Is there room for Drew and Gino on this roster again next year? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Drew's two starts played him into significantly more money. Does it play him into an opportunity somewhere to compete for a starting job, though? Possibly. Once again, he's hurt a in, little bit like this whole mind? receiver conversation because yeah. they're going to be possibly six first-rounders, and many of those teams are going to take their – you know, they're, they're first and second and third. Now, you know, could one of those teams want a guy early? Hey, man, I want you to come in here and start. I want mm-hmm. you to be the pro. I want you to – and we'll let Jaden or we'll let Caleb or we'll let, you know, kind of overtake you and you kind of know the position you're in possibly. So, yeah, that one that one does have um, a few kind of – It's got some legs to it, right? Tentacles to it, sure. Yeah. Uh, what struck me is what is a player's coach, Salk, in 2024? How do you define a player's coach? in 2024 because you heard him when I asked about the Harbaugh imprint and I loved his answer and he's like man those two gentlemen and those two guys love their players you felt that at Michigan you felt that turn for John especially or for Jim especially and I would contend Salk that you know Pete Carroll's a player's coach too but what was hard after 14 years is some of the accountability that comes alongside of it yeah Right, some of that. Hey, man, I'm a player's coach. I'm a player's coach. I love you guys, and Pete loves his guys, man. Empowered his guys, believed in his guys, trusted his guys so much so that I think in some ways a Jamal and a DK took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at Jim Harbaugh and you look at John Harbaugh, the way they do it as players' coaches, 
A lot less yeah. words. Yeah, here uh, here he is talking about the Harbaugh brothers. I mean, it's a lot of who I am, Brock. It really is. I mean, that's been my experience the last 10 years. You know, I mean, these I've barely been shaped through those two organizations. But the big, the biggest thing is there's no alter agenda with, with John and Jim. They're as real as it gets. And the players realize that their motive is what's best for the team and what's best for the players. And they have their players' backs, and they're ready to go to war with those guys. You know, yeah. I mean, they're an ultimate. Talk about ultimate competitors. And so I have the same mentality. I mean, it's 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 through the lens of what's best for the team, what's best for the players, and we're going to build it that way rather mm-hmm. than just you know being you know stubborn and see what what's be, what Mike McDonald thinks. Yeah, it's funny, right? Rule one. We'll play that sound for KJ tomorrow. And over the course of man, you think back to this 2023 season <laughs> and some of the different peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. and at times where KJ's like, "Hey, man." And he gets definitely serious. He's like, Pete can be cold blooded killer, you know. Like, <laughs> and I love what, and I love when he does that. But he wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't that anymore. And I think sometimes when you're a lot of words and a lot of you know just messaging versus hey, just very blunt, very clear. Jim and John are not wordsmiths. They love their players, but bottom line, mm-hmm. this is what it is. And I think that that's going to be able to to cut through pretty well. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, I got a couple of others, but we just have a few more minutes here before Moore is going to sing for us. So I'll play you this sound on what he's looking for in a quarterback. Since I my last one was sort of about the Drew and Geno mm-hmm. split, we said, all right, well, what should that position look like? Quarterbacks come in all different shapes and sizes, but to me, can you make people around you better? And can you bring people together? Are they, are they going to go play for you? I mean, in terms of anticipation, accuracy, and things like that, and playing on time, playing with anticipation, um, being able to see, the, you know, being able to have great vision of the field and see it. I mean, those things are obviously incredibly important, but at its core, it's, hey, can we bring, can we bring the team together and, and, will, and will the guys follow you when you go fight on Sundays? And um, th- that's, that's obviously that's the starting point. How would you answer that? If you were to have a beer at Dino's, maybe after hours, right? <laughs> and Mike McDonald were to say, hey, you two have been around this a long time. And Salk, you know, you're, you're an opinionated guy. You're not short on opinion, maybe short on height, uh, but not short on hair and not short on opinion. What do you think of Gino? Do you think Gino brings guys together and they totally believe in and follow him? I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. I think that's the harder sell. Everything else he said, throwing with accuracy and throwing with anticipation and doing all those things. And oh, by the way, if there is a scale in a $50 million quarterback sulk, right? If Patrick Mahomes is on that scale, tipping mm-hmm. that scale, and he is the ultimate in that because of his self-belief and his self-confidence and his accomplishment, everybody follows him. That's a $50 million guy. Is Gino a $22 million guy? Yes. It, yeah, I think he is or, too. Or more. I mean, like, sure. I, right. He, he probably is better than his contract says mm-hmm. at doing some of those things. Yes. Yes. And, and that there is kind of the conundrum because I think it's easy for people to say, oh, he's just not that guy. Hey man, move on from that guy. You know, he's just a guy. Yeah. But he's a guy that does so many of these things remarkably well. He's a guy that in the fourth quarter in overtime is clutch and delivered and through more game turning game, deciding touchdowns in those critical moments than anybody in the league. Mm-hmm. You know, and and certainly it's Kurt Warner said he's absolutely worth twenty two million. That's a bargain. But if you're Mike McDonald and you're starting this organization, and that's the first things he mentions, do the guys follow? Do the guys totally believe? 
when he walks on that field, are they just, hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going with this guy. And maybe, you know, the accuracy and the anticipation and those things aren't there, but I just, I love him and I'm going to follow him. Mm. That is some of the decision-making process over the course of this week, you know, when right, so, 12 and so, a half so of Gino's deal now, becomes... Two minutes to go here before Moore is going to say. Guaranteed, yeah. And by the way, we got people saying they've got whole parties put together for this. Guys, yeah. he's got 150 people all gathered together right we now. We know in office cubicles saying. all around Seattle, right. people are gathered. Yes. Hey, two minutes, here we go. Shut up, Salkin Heward. <laughs> Even get to it a minute early because I got people waiting around. I got the volume up ready for Moore to say. Brock, knowing what you know, yeah. Thinking about the whole situation, listening to Mike McDonald talk, thinking about Pete and, and John and their quarterbacks and what they liked and who was kind of interested in whom, the money, the roster, everything else. If you had to say right now, two days or three days rather before the Seahawks need to make a decision on Geno Smith, mm-hmm. do you think he will be back in Seattle next year on his current deal? Like Brady Henderson said, he is going to jump over this first hurdle. You're gonna, you're, you're not gonna make any decision. You got so much other stuff going on, and guaranteeing twelve and a half million of his deal come Friday, you're gonna do that. You're gonna do that because of all the things that he can do and the stabilizing factor that he is. If there's gonna be a lot of other stuff all around it, you like the stabilizing professional aspect. He's a professional starting quarterback in this league, and I don't think you move on from that. And you jump over that first hurdle of guarantee and 12 and a half of his deal come mm-hmm. Friday. Okay. You? I will say it became a little bit more of a conversation and a thought yesterday really with some did. of those these, answers. These Drew Locke things are really kind of in the back of my head. Right? I think there is a slightly lower than 50% chance Geno is the starting quarterback for the Seahawks next year. Mm-hmm. Slightly below 50. Mm-hmm. It's not like 10%. Okay, no, 9.50. Here we go. I'm going to say it's like 45%. Shut them down. Red light. 10, hey, 9, 8, 7, 6, what 4, 5, 2, time 2, is 1. it? It's 8.50. And guess what, Brock? You and Mora made a bet on sure Friday regarding the, the Super Bowl. They were I went all, right at her. You were you were clearly bitter that Mora had dominated yep. our mm-hmm. uh, in office pool for office the playoffs. Yeah, and you wanted a shot at the Queen. Let's go. As we said, come at the Queen. You best not miss. You didn't miss. I was eleven yards short. You Mora <laughs> came eleven yards short. Thirty three feet short, nonetheless. Uh huh. And because of it, Brock was the winner. And he declared on Friday, Mora took the bet, mm-hmm. that the loser would sing. And so, Mora. He snuck it in there. Wait, Friday. Brock, what would you have sang? I just want to know if, it, so in the future. Could have done anything. Something from Rocky. She's an eight, she's a nine, she's a ten, I know. She's got ruby red lips, <laughs> mama hair blue. Could have done anything. Names yeah, just one anything. song that he right. sings every week. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Mora? I really wanted to do Jeezy put on in, like a Drew Locke tribute. And it's one, it's one of my favorite songs, but mm-hmm. um, I quickly realized that I couldn't take out all the curse words and still make it like a mm. legible song. Yeah, happens. So I took a, <laughs> I took a vastly different turn, and I just like hope you guys are still going to see me the same after oh, this. Wow. Oh wow. I'm a little nervous. Oh boy. It drastic <laughs> from System <laughs> of a Down. I can't wait to, <laughs> I could be more drastic. <laughs> I'm tingling with excitement. It's not that far off from System, but it's a drastic turn from Jeezy. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that's Jay. Oh, well, oh, 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 the psych out. All right, all right. All right, wasn't that? We've got something else. Let the bodies hit the floor. 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 
so good. Oh, that was tremendous. <laughs> so freaking good. I, I, I know you keep saying that if we do this too often, it won't be funny anymore. Yeah. But you're wrong right now. Yeah. Like every time you do it, yeah. you crush it. I every time it's though. funny. I keep redoing because oh. then I would listen back and I was like, it sounds like a little kid. Oh like, my god! I, I have to commit more. I have to commit. Text message: best drive to the dentist ever. I'm dying. My <laughs> face hurts. <laughs> Another banger. I was also like trying not to Beast scream loud mode, if you guys would hear me in the other room because I always bit. wanted to be a surprise. We couldn't tell what you were saying. We could just hear that there was some real yelling. Oh it was. My god. It was better than I could have even hoped. Can we end the show with that? A lot like, of people want to sign yeah. you to a record deal. Yes. I just peed my pants. More, you're <laughs> awesome. You're so brave. <laughs> Kill it, girl. <laughs> Salk, this is incredible. <laughs> Salk, okay, I think I may love Mora. Please marry me. That's fantastico. I'm headbanging the whole time. Oh, Mora, that's awesome. I was just enjoying Brock's face. You look like his head might pop off. It, it actually might. Well, there you go. That is... Uh, Star is born. Were you embarrassed for me? No. Let the bodies hit the floor in the style of we Mora Dooley. We are going to find a sponsor for wow. a weekly segment of Mora. I think once a week would be the right amount. Every you day would? would be too much. Uh, too much. Every once month, probably not enough. Once a week. Once a week. Once a week. Sounds about right. We'll come right back and uh, try to recompose ourselves. The uh, the the there is news, Brock. There was news last night that may make Mariner fans happy. We'll see. It's Brock and Salk. Sales Sports on seven ten salesports.com.